The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Brad Coyme is joining us. A Coyme and K-Mig out of Sioux Center, Iowa. So you know if Brad joins us, we are going to dive right into this cattle market. And Brad, uh, you're more bearish than the market has been trading what are your thoughts? We've had an interesting cattle on feed report, but stuff just isn't jiving. Well, it isn't for me, at least, and maybe the next analyst you talk to will, you know, just be spot on and right in step. And, 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 and yeah, I, I, I have been concerned. I've been very conservative here in what I thought markets were going to do this summer, and, and, and that's because, you know, I, I, there's still a large element of me that is a supply-side fundamentalist. Um and and the reason most people are if the ones that still try to do su- uh, fundamentals anywhere way are, are largely supply siders because demand is nearly difficult to pre- or nearly impossible to predict and you can't really tell how good it is or was until it's behind you you know so you know you know we've talked about how good the demand has been on the on the on the beef market for a long time um and it is good thank goodness um because we've got a lot of supply i i um I had thought that, well, last year we made a low of 104, right, um, in the cash, give or take. This year our low is 106-ish. Um, right now we've got 4% more on feed than a year ago. There's been times where it's probably even been a little bit more than that earlier in the year. Um, you know, I, I guess I, I'm surprised, I'm glad, you know, that we've been able to stay above last year's lows. But we still have just a, a little, I guess I'd be very conservative here yet as we move forward. I I worry that what's happened a little bit here lately is, I feed cattle too, um, the last several weeks, most of these cattle that we're selling uh, do not make money. Um, and it's always easier to stay current when there's some, some black ink, you know. Uh, replacement feeder cattle costs seem to me to be un, un, unusually high and a very poor trade, you know, where you're buying back uh, break-evens much above what you're getting for these cattle, which are losers. Uh, your cost of gains much less than what you're getting paid. And, and so it seems to me like we're maybe, you know, potentially building our way into having a little more weight and a little uh, less leverage and a little more supply generally. But, you know, uh, yesterday was a big, ugly outside day reversal down, a really ugly technical day, and yet the market was able to at least wobble its way into the close here today and, and, and come back. And, you know, instances, you know, the October was over a dollar higher. Everything else was kind of yada, yada, yada. But... Um, you're still going to close a hair lower for the week on the August cattle. Um, you're, you're not very far from where we were the first of the month on August cattle. Um, so choppy is tough on a broker or an analyst of any kind, I think, and, and that's what we've been, choppy sideways. But the market has held up better, like you said, uh, than I had expected it to for the month of July. So as we finish up the month of July, we move into August, what can we expect as we... We start to focus on end of summer and, and end of summer eatings and grillings. Typically, um, you know, July is a time where you make an expectation of, of, of peak supply, poor demand, uh, you know, all harbingers of when we would make a low, you know. So from a seasonal standpoint, to, to make a low here would be very normal. Um, and, and, and so some of the guys that are a little more optimistic than me, 
are uh, are probably hanging their hat on that idea. My feeling moving forward into August, if I'm right that we've held a few cattle, we'll probably still struggle with a burdensome amount of supply. Um, demand will probably start to catch uh, when you get oh, all the way through August usually. Um, now the boxes down here down at 204, 205, uh, we, we're afraid that the boxes are going lower and below 200 during the month of August. So I, I think you're going to still struggle uh, just a little bit, Susan, with uh, you know any kind of aggressive uh, uh, demand. Now, having said that, don't misunderstand me. These packers have got all kinds of margin. Okay, they're making plenty of money. You don't have to feel sorry for them. Um, you know, the problem is that we got enough cattle around that they're able to gain leverage and buy them how they want to. But it's not like we've got a problem selling meat. I, I, you know, generally speaking, they're doing just Fine. You talk about the struggles, and let's look at the probably the biggest livestock struggle, and that's been this hog market. Is there more to come for these guys? Uh, you know, I like to be a glass half full guy for you. Um, I don't know where it's going to come from, frankly, in the short term. Um, you know, I guess it's darkest before the dawn, right? Uh, you know, the market makes the low the day the news is the worst. Yeah, all that famous broker sayings. Um, You've got a horrible-looking chart, and one today that you know gapped into new lows for the move. Um, cash market that just cannot stop the bleeding. I mean, it's a buck lower every day. It feels like um, clearly the hogs have uh, been impacted more than maybe most commodities by uh, concern over um, um, trade, um, particularly the NAFTA deal. I was hoping that this week we we're maybe going to see uh, a little more focus on NAFTA. Uh, we didn't. Um, I, that, that, is where the, that is where your hope has to lie, though, that we get something going here in terms of some reconciliation of trade, particularly with our neighbors here to the south in Mexico. So um, we're at some pretty poor levels already. I don't need to tell the producers that. We're getting very oversold and all that other stuff, but um, yeah, I've been in sow rallies mode for a while on the hogs. Unfortunately, I'll probably stay that for an, a, a while to come, but hopefully we don't have to sell them down here. Well, the good news out of Washington, D.C. is we might hear something yet this week, and the week isn't over yet, coming from the possibility of Mexico and an agreement, and then just wait on Canada. Well, I certainly hope you're right. I've um, I guess I'll probably not wait by the phone, but I hope that, that we get something. Um, and uh, um, otherwise, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's it, it's very hard to stay patient with this sort of thing. Uh, but I, I'd like to think that you know, even you know, to maybe to lean into a little bit of our next segment here. Uh, you know, what happened with the EU this week? There are some within uh, the trade business that believe that you know maybe you know that first little domino tipping. Now, final bell comes up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, where Brad Coima joins us. Coima and K-Mig out of Sioux Center, Iowa. Before we headed to break, Brad alluded to, to the EU and the agreement that was made uh, during the visits here to the U.S. And Brad, were you surprised at how fast the market turned around? Even the Dow reacted to word that, that the European Union was going to buy some soybeans. Well, you know, yes and no. I, I yeah. To, to, to say that the EU is going to buy enough soybeans to, 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 to dramatically change the overall economy, egg or otherwise, is a stretch, of course. But I, I do think that the market was so um, pressed. 
I mean, I, I've said this out loud. I think I, we talked about it the last time you and I did this show. Uh, was that you know the, the grain trade has is like a heavyweight boxer that's taken punch after punch after punch. Uh, they've thrown every almost every conceivable piece of bad news that 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 they could almost at the at the markets from the standpoint of great crop conditions, great crop ratings, perception that we can just raise a record crop year after year after year after year. And then on top of that now, we're probably never going to export another bushel of this again. I'm being sarcastic, but that was the, you know, at the height of some of the worst of the trade uh, concern worries is that, well, we're just, you know, we're going to lose every big customer. We're never going to get them back, yada, yada. Um, which I don't believe either one is necessarily a lock. I, I, you know, we'll get some of our export activity going again. Uh, and what, you know, how big this crop is, I think the jury's still out on that. So, uh, I, I think what happened there was that we just finally had a shift. We had had this trade, uh, conflict. It not get any better. In fact, it kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And so finally, just a little bit of, well, hey, we got the EU to acquiesce a little bit. We've seen a bit of compromise from our uh, administration also. And it looked like maybe we were trying to move to the middle and, and get something going, which I think is what gave the market some encouragement without a doubt. Plus, we had had a huge sell-off, you know, so it's a little easier to rally when you already got the market browbeat down to that kind of a level. Are we looking at the uh, mild temperatures being a benefit to this crop, both corn and beans, to be like? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I suppose we are. Um, you know, I, I thought that the weather deal probably um, starts with the wheat. Um, some, you know, some, some, so, you know, this wheat crop there, they're finding out that the spring wheat isn't very good. It was too wet, whatever. Um, you have some of the western fringes of the, of the traditional wheat belt, not that great. You got parts of Europe that are real bad, apparently, real dry. Um, uh, but yes, I would say if you had to strictly deal with what we're looking at row crop wise, uh, I would say that the weather we've got is very non-threatening, uh, clearly. Um, and, and maybe that's what, you know, kind of stop this thing the momentum on the rally to the to a degree a little bit too uh actually i i still i still kind of like the grain market i like i think the corn and beans have a little more room to go higher um i think technically the the the, the, the corn actually projects back toward a little bit over four dollars um i'm a little more confident in the staying power of corn than the beans but um i think the both market even after this big of a rally i think that i still think there's a little room above us now you say we really need to kind of be watching the wheat not only weather but some crop problems creeping in right i um i whether whether it's enough to make a great big difference or not um uh, you know, the, the concern about, uh, parts of Asia and Europe's crop, uh, what they're doing with, uh, the feed grains there is a, becoming a, enough of a, a newsmaker that, that it's starting to trickle into the, into the marketplace without a doubt. And anybody that has watched the weed a little bit can see the kind of explosion that we had here a couple of days this week. Um, as far as, you know, I say this a bit tongue in cheek, but, I don't be surprised if the next thing you you might hear out of the the, the U.S. Uh, row crop markets is, uh, you know, the relative level of maturity that our crops at, and whether uh, we can talk about you know what happens with an early frost date or something like that. Now I I, I, I have no idea. It doesn't really feel like it does it today, but um, 
this morning it did when I thought maybe I should have a jacket on. But I, I think that the weather conditions basically are probably going to be conducive to pretty good crops. But, uh, you know, up in our part of the world, we've got a problem with too much moisture, actually, and flooding and ponds. And, and, and you know, our best ground, that typically would be our highest yielding, is, is not going to be at all, not even close. In fact, a lot of that is a zero deal this year. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of in the camp that with this many less acres of corn planted and with a, a crop that got off to a wet start and had beans sitting in wet feet for a long time, I don't know how those are kind of record conditions. I guess I'm 60 years old. I don't really think it is, but I've been fooled before. What's the best way for folks to reach you, Brad? Thank you. Here's our 800 number, 800-358-3047. Thanks for having me on. Have a great one. Brad Coima joining us on this Friday from Coima and Kamig in Sioux Center, Iowa. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell. We like to, of course, thank all the Fontenelle dealers for supplying this report. And it will be podcast, like I mentioned, coming up after 3 o'clock today. The Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.